Another edition of the Grizzden Pod, a very weird edition of the podcast. Um, I'm Will. Next to me is Ty. Yo. And there's Brantley over there. Let's go. We're in some new digs, actually. We're in the uh, top floor of Brantley's house, our new studio. Grizzden Studio, man. It's the Grizzden, baby. Um, so let me ask you this, guys. Uh, where were you last night when the news broke that we would no longer have the NBA for the foreseeable future. Me and Tubbs over here, Brantley's nickname, um, we're sharing a marg at El Mezcal, and Brantley leaned over and showed me some Twitter stuff, and it was from Woj, basically saying the NBA is essentially suspended, um, which was just nuts. Didn't see this coming. I will say, Ty and I, I think we're doing a really great job of engaging with our wives and children at El Mezcal we were. We were. over Mark. And then once that Woj bomb dropped, it was it was over. It was basically Ty and I then just being like, what does this all mean? <laughs> it, so if you missed sort of the progression of what happened last night, um, so the NBA has come out with a few things about the fans not uh, ba- basically banning fans from the arenas. Uh, we're going to continue with the season as usual, just without fans, uh, which was in and of itself going to be really weird. Um, but then last night during the game, the OKC uh, Jazz game was about to start, and apparently an OKC official just like sprinted onto the floor, stopped the game right before tip off. Uh, the refs huddled together, and then the PA announcer came on and said that the game has been postponed. And uh, that, you know, everybody's safe, but they need to exit the arena. Then it comes out right after that, that Rudy Gobert has tested positive for the coronavirus. He's the first NBA player to do so. Um, It was notable, too, that just a couple of days ago, he's kind of getting roasted right now on Twitter because a couple of days ago he was sort of making fun of the coronavirus, uh, touching like all these different things. Apparently, according to teammates, he was in the locker room messing around. Uh, with them and like touching their stuff and then like actually today it came out that Donovan Mitchell also has the coronavirus which is nuts um, so uh, the Jazz and Thunder were both quarantined uh, in the stadium they were all tested Mitchell and, and Gobert were the only ones who tested positive but as a result it came out minutes later that the NBA decided to suspend games for, for uh, the foreseeable future and then uh, today came out that Adam Silver said in 30 days or so they're going to reevaluate. So, um this is nuts. What what were y'all's first reactions to this news? I mean, it's just really unprecedented, right? I mean, I think even the way that what the NBA is doing uh being proactive, I think uh in putting players first has definitely, I think, put pressure even on the NCAA, in my opinion, to respond that way. And you could make an argument, even put corporate America um, kind of in line as well. Like where Will and I both work, we're sort of both kind of moving into a working from home scenario too. Not to say the the NBA forced that, but I do think it was such a, a big sort of viral moment in kind of our culture 
that a lot of things were heading that way, that it is sort of having residual impacts everywhere. And I think forcing a lot of people to take this thing really seriously, it sort of maybe just, I don't know, I wasn't really taking it that seriously. And then I think once you sort of see something like the NBA do something like this and you understand, you know, the money that's at stake, as well as even just the impact of fandom in general and just sort of to the season, uh, you know, this decision wasn't taken lightly. I think the NBA proved the seriousness um, of the virus, um, kind of shed a new light. Yeah, in my eye, I kind of felt the same way. Wasn't too invested because you hear so many things, especially in news today, so many contradicting news um, outlets out there telling you different things. So, so it's kind of hard to, to truly see what's going on. But, Will, like you mentioned, uh, so Rudy Gobert was in an interview, or before he got um, – he was – being interviewed um, before the OKC game, and he made a point to go around and touch each of the microphones in front of him. Um, it's kind of like a funny gesture. Um, and then literally, like, I think hours later, could be wrong on the timeline, but it came out that Rudy Gobert was questionable due to illness. And then literally the next day it came out and said that he had tested positive for coronavirus. Um, and then, yeah, again, like today, Donovan Mitchell was also tested positive. Um, so grand scheme of things, it's just insane. Uh, Bill Simmons, who's a notorious sports guy, um, literally that's his hand, was his Twitter handle for a while, um, basically said there's, he can't think of anything that's ever been like this um, in sports, which is just insane. Everything getting canceled, which is nuts. Um, Kind of to relate it to the Grizzlies, we'll get into a little bit more stuff. But so basically, a way the Grizzlies could potentially be affected is the plane that took the Jazz to Oklahoma City came to or went to Orlando and picked up Orlando and brought them to Memphis, the Magic to Memphis, and then stayed here in Memphis. And then when the Grizz went to Portland, that same plane is the one the Grizzlies took to Portland. Um, who knows if that means anything, uh, but just kind of crazy how um, the plane that the Jazz were on, the Grizzlies also shared that plane just a few days later. Um, who knows if, I mean, obviously, I'm sure most NBA players are getting tested at this point. Um, so who knows if anyone's affected. Obviously, that haven't, hasn't come out yet, um, but that's also pretty interesting too. Yeah, and just, I mean, the, this can apply not only to the NBA, but for everything going on with the virus, it's just the unknown, which is the craziest part. Um, and obviously all these different uh, leagues and, as Brantley mentioned, companies are just at a point where they're not willing to risk whatever this might be um, because it's proven to be pretty terrible in the countries that it started and all affected heavily um, from now. And so I think it's going to be really weird for the next – three or four weeks turning on the TV and there not being anything. Um, yeah. And the whole, so it's suspended for 30 days and my guess is they will reconvene after 30 days and then kind of decide where to move forward after that. So we don't even have like a for sure thing after 30 days, this is going to happen. Um, so just a ton of uncertainty moving forward. Um, we'll get into that, how it relates to the Grizz later, but yeah, just the uncertainty and the ho high profileness of it. Um, like Rudy Gobert, like NBA players are getting this. And it's just, yeah, that's kind of nuts. And we're recording this on the 12th. 
and kind of the approximate 30 days from now would put it right around the middle of April, which is literally the Grizzlies' last home game or last game is against the Rockets. Um, and the playoffs are supposed to get, begin on April 18th. So, reading between the lines there, uh, I think that that sort of statement, maybe the way that they're providing some um, public relation clarity in terms of when they're going to update uh, fans again means that there is some hope that the playoffs will resume um, and pick back up and um, how they sort of make decisions on who gets into the playoffs and things like that or if they sort of make up a couple games um, will be sort of interesting because there's definitely some there's definitely a time gap uh, in between from a sports season perspective where you could see the NBA sort of maybe owning a different period of time and even getting some free testing um, out of uh, different seasonal components. Um, I think that sort of would maybe bump up into you know, potential other offseason things and would shorten players offseason. So it would be interesting to see even if the PA would be interested in doing something like that. Um, but that's kind of the sort of where my head is going from an angle perspective and curiosity to see if it does continue and w- the, you, you know, the you know, public health is able to actually cut down on the virus and resume from a healthy perspective. What decision is, does the NBA do? Do they go straight into the playoffs or do they actually maybe have like a shortened, um, you know, kind of extension of the games that are remaining? There's a lot of what ifs. Uh, one thing that isn't a what if is this podcast is going to resume its normal weekly uh, delivery. Damn you got to give the content. Yeah, we're going to have a lot to discuss no matter what, uh, no matter what happens, even if there are zero games. So you'll, we're going to get creative with the podcast. It'll be a lot of fun to talk through um, what we have uh, seen already from a se- from the season, what we're looking ahead to the off season potentially earlier than we thought. Uh, but there will be a lot to discuss, and we're going to keep you guys entertained and informed. So you don't have to worry about that. Um, speaking of entertained, we uh, had a pretty entertaining Saturday night. If you follow us on social media, which if you don't, you should, Twitter at Grizzden, Instagram at Grizz underscore Den. You can also like us, follow us on Facebook. Wait, hold on one second. What On Twitter, uh, don't we have like a, a, a new host that now maybe actually hey, oh, on the Twitter.com? I almost forgot. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I did it. This was huge. Ty <laughs> Smith. I really did it. Ty has not been on Twitter. Mixed emotions. I don't know how I feel. We've been giving him a lot of grief because he made his – wife's instagram a shared instagram <laughs> we decided not even to tag him in our posts anymore. it's not worth either. it it's sort of weird either. and i never really so ty so. give us your right. your new twitter handle uh, let me look it up to make sure i get it right ty um, smith senior bro so i'm pretty sure it's so yeah i actually if you listen to the pod <laughs> if you're new to the pod um i had a baby boy january the 4th this past year so mm, six weeks now two months uh, ten, a little over two months ago Math. Um, and he's a junior, so Ty Hatcher Smith Jr. So, looking through the Twitter handle stuff, it's really hard to come up with names these days because everyone has one. Um, so yeah, really you're sort of late to the, to the game, game in creating yeah. one, bro. I had one in college for like a year, and I was like, yeah, this I, this isn't for me. So I got rid of it, and then getting it back some, I don't know, seven years later, uh, which is kind of nuts. So really limited in my options, but I decided to go with Ty Smith underscore 
SR for senior. Let's go. It's like, it's like Marcus Morris senior. It's like having senior that on the back I of thought your about jersey. I was like, if I was an NBA player and had a jersey, I would definitely put the SR. If you reply to anybody, it. they're going to think you're 75 years old. I hope they do. I should change my, yeah, my. Like do like um, the old picture face yeah, thing and put it on there? Yeah, me looking 80. The best, the best part was nothing. when I saw that. Ty had followed me on Twitter oh, maybe no. this morning. <laughs> he had not changed his handle yet. And so it was at Ty, like 07587565 or something like that. And you knew that. what it was. You're like, this like, contact, your your contact yeah. is jointwitter.com. Right. It was awesome. I should have kept that. But so we'll get into what all happened Saturday night. But we were taking some cool pictures with a lot of cool people. And one guy asked, like, Brantley, hey, what's your, like, Twitter handle? And Brantley, like, rattled it off, like, really quick. It was, like, I think it's, what is it, B underscore Davidson or Brantley, Brantley underscore D? underscore D, yeah. Something like that. Um, and I was like, okay, that's short. I need to keep that in mind. I need to keep something easy. So I was, I was thinking, like, Ty Smith underscore senior. But then I could see everyone spelling out senior. Yep. So then I was like, okay, just Ty Smith underscore SR. Yep. Um, so go follow so Ty. Yeah, get, hey, the, the guy, his his whole following to follower count ratio is all Real whacked bad. up right now. Yeah. Real bad. So Grizzden listens. You know, we we've we've got a following. Please help a brother out. Let's, let's get let's get him going. He's been a Twitter lurker for a really I long have. time. I like Google search Twitter stuff to find out things. And it's just not <laughs> it's not efficient, and I'm all about efficiency. Oh my gosh! Welcome. So, hey, we're glad to have you. We it's, are. It's kind of it's kind of good to be here. We can tag you in things now. All right, Brantley, take us through Saturday night and just the insanity maybe leading up to it and then what actually happened the yeah. night of. I think it maybe even like the the just um, the etymology of a t-shirt creation, you know, is sort of one of those things that maybe I'm even a little unclear on all the details and how we kind of got to the design that we got to. There's a lot of people that are worth shouting out that um, we'll do it on. I think one of the things, you know, when was it, what, what episode did we even write the Joggles podcast? Was that the podcast right after the Portland game? Where we called it Joggles? Oh, I think so. I'll th- look it up now. I think it was the podcast. It was the, so j- that night, the Portland game, right before the All Star break, was sort of when the whole goggle jaw goggles thing really took off. Jaw had been doing it, you know, for about five games beforehand. I think it was February the thirteenth. So February thirteenth was our pod. Was that the we pod titled Joggles? And the, the I think the Portland game was the twelfth. So it was like we recorded the night after Portland, but. You know, um, because our, our our buddies at Grind City Designs were launching this company and kind of told us that they want us to maybe start thinking through some gr- some Grizz um, designs um, to to help them, you know, to print and you know help get our branding going. You know, we sort of knew that the goggles thing was uh, going to catch on if Ja kept doing it, and um, I think you know we had sort of iterated and brainstormed like what would make a good um, Ja T-shirt as sort of. Um, you know, even Harrington started to uh, uh, did the Twitter. He poll, formalized on the Twitter huge. poll. Like, w- is it Janoculars? Is it Joggles? Because that would have sucked. And <laughs> and and, and whereas you know the the whole like and then with TA before it before even all of that was you know as we were sort of talking about it on the Verno show, he sort of I think helped make the Joggles thing be formalized. I think at least in kind of like the popular perspective. And so I'm by no means saying that our um, little. Uh, podcast here was the responsible for making joggles a thing but I, I would like to say that we we were 
um, kind of uh, along for the ride from the very beginning on it actually being joggles. It just rolls off the tongue better. I have um, text proof of uh, sending a text in our group text about yeah. joggles, and it was like beginning of February. Yeah, it's not it's about like being second. first, but it is just fun to like sort of just we you made know, be the first tee it. there. We did make I, I, we it we did dope. make the first um, joggles specific tee is what I would say. Where joggles was spelled J A G G L E S. Um, I think you know time will and I brainstormed a lot of different things, and then. My buddy Banks, um, who's a graphic designer slash um, uh, extraordinaire and does sports marketing at, at North Carolina, um, you know, had said that he wanted to to do some designs with us, and we sort of brainstormed, and and he just one day was like, "I've got the idea. I know what I want to do," um, and basically, uh, really two weeks before our event at Crosstown, was like, "Here's the design," and sent it to Will Walk Will and I, and we were like, "Oh, that's it." we don't even want to change it much we love the font we love the colors we love how real um jaw's face was and his kind of like the symbol um the symbolism of his um goggles actually being the g's um uh, kind of in the design and it just was fun and it also um the the fact that it was jaw's face highlighted sort of the capabilities of grind city designs printer um, that's a digital printer and we knew that it was going to be unique. There was, um, it's not a normal screen printing option. Uh, grind city has a capability from a printing perspective that we were able to take advantage of with our design. And so, you know, a lot of you guys were along for the ride with Crosstown, um, Colin Morgan, um, who, um, is a friend of the pod, um, from day one, uh, came to, um, and, and Will and I work with his wife, um, Gina, shout out. Um, sh- he came to Crosstown and was sort of like, you know, just all in promoting the tees. Um, one of his buddies who he's had season tickets with for a long time named Keith was like, you got to get me one of those things. He's a, a collector extraordinaire um, and has been a season ticket holder at, with the Grizzlies for 20 plus years. Um, uh, Keith wears the joggles, the teal jog or the, I'm sorry, the white fleck joggles tee to the Lakers game. Um, that's the game where the actual plastic goggles were given out. So the the sort of perfect time. uh, timing of the whole Grizzlies goggles thing is aligned. And next thing we know, like you see Keith in this picture with Dustin and Brandon, the two MCs of the Grizzlies. They're sort of like shouting him out. They've been friends for a long time. We're like, oh my gosh, that's so awesome that they're together. Wake up the next morning. Keith has basically sent us an email and is like, hey. Uh, the Morant family has seen uh, their, your joggle shirt, and they they love it. Um, can we get some? We were, like, we were like, what? Yes, we would love to give uh, uh, Jaws family. I had to think about some Morant tees. Yeah. I, I was like, I don't know, should we? Yeah. Jk. So you know, to I, you know, you could really tell a ton of stories about this thing, but this sort of led up to um, the game that we went to this past Saturday. It was basically um, a week in time. Um, you know, we took the orders, um, got a, a baby onesie printed for, for Jaws baby, had a whole host of shirts printed and it was just kind of like this fun thing. We're like, we're going to actually get to give Jaws family some shirts. And, and legitimately it was like, of course, you know, we're excited, but I really was just like, this is, we just want you to know how much we as a fan base love him. If somehow we can sort of represent that to him, that everything he's doing as a fan base, we're catching on to him. We love it. We, we love that he's in Memphis and we want him to grow up here and be a star here for years to come. That's really kind of like what I would hope he would sort of feel from what we were doing. 
um, because to be very candid, you don't really stand to make a ton of money off of a t-shirt, even if it happens to go viral. And we, um, it's not really the money for us no. on this thing. It's just fun. Exactly. And, uh, so Keith is like, Hey, why don't y'all come to the game? We'll hand the, hand them the t-shirts and go from there. Um, uh, we, um, got connect connected, um, with Richard Smith and sat in the box that night and we just got to the game early and just were on the floor with Keith. Keith showed us around. We met Dustin. Um, you know, we met uh, a lot of different Grizzlies folks, Devin Walker, um, the whole Morant family. Devin, you know, is on the Verno pod and, and is a, a Grizz social media guy, Brandon. And then next thing you know, like it just sort of takes off and they're posting on social. Um, we, we definitely um, got a major bump from a social media perspective and everybody just kind of growing and, and, and seeing the whole thing. So that's just like at least the outline of it, the emotions that was actually happening that night. We obviously dominated Atlanta, um, snapped some tees uh, with T, um, got to meet a guy that actually I think was maybe one of my first Twitter followers as becoming a Grizzlies fan, which was Fletch. So you know him as Beauregard Jones or Fletch on Twitter. He's a huge um, Grizzlies collector, as is Keith. All of those guys together have been, um, you know, huge um, uh, Grizzlies fan and followers for 20-plus years. And so just to be able to kind of make all those connections and really just see the day-to-day connectivity of the Grizzlies from that angle, from people who are there every day, uh, was just really, really cool and something that I will never forget being a part of. And I think my favorite part, obviously, all of the things that you just said were amazing. Uh, and... But you can really sense the community feel, yeah, uh, of and the connection between the organization, its employees, its players, but and its fans, yeah, and just feeling as if we were part of this like fabric uh, of that whole experience of the night, just being down, seeing we were literally there two hours before the game. We were in the tunnel walking around. Uh, courtside, just kind of, and, and just seeing, also seeing all the moving pieces that, yeah. that behind the scenes that make this thing go. Um, it was really great getting yeah. even to talk to like the different security guards and the ushers and everything like that, and how friendly they were, and how I mean, just seeing Keith to interact with them was super cool. Um, and then getting like JV to sign our JV shirt and oh, saying yeah. he wanted one too. We got the a, elevator ride with Gorgie. Yeah, we. <laughs> you want to go deep on the elevator ride with Gorgie? Oh my gosh, we literally. <laughs> so we get to, we walk into the arena and we're on the level where the door that uh, connects to the practice facility is, and out walks Gorgie Jang, and he's just riding the elevator just like we are down to the level in which the locker room is, and he's like, "Oh, I like your shirt," and we're like. Do you want one? Wait, really? Wait, are you Wait, sure? Do seriously? You really? Yeah, uh, we can make you one. We, what do you want? You know, it was just like this twenty-second ride, and yet, you know, it was funny. We actually have a video of it, I think, on our Instagram oh, yeah. too. Oh, of the yeah. ride. Um, that whole night was just surreal. And then shout out to my wife, Chief Content Officer. Oh yeah, Katie was Katie Davis. Chief Katie Davis. There is zero percent chance we would have been like in our right minds anything. enough to capture anything. Yeah, we just, awesome. in the, we were totally in the moment, which was great. And I really appreciate Katie being there to be able to document it. Cause yeah. some of those pictures are awesome. Yeah, for sure. Um, but we had a blast and I hope we reflected that, uh, both on social, but also here tonight, uh, just recapping and we hope for some more as well. Um, but yeah, that was just crazy. Go check out our shirts, grizzden.com. If you want to join the joggles movement, uh, even though we're not going to be b- playing games, but 
It doesn't matter. Hey, the money that you're saving on going to the game, go buy a Joggles tee, you know? That's right. that's, a, that's a great way to spin it. Appreciate uh, it. All right. So we were fully prepared to uh, react to what was going to be an all-important Portland Trailblazers game tonight that was scheduled. And obviously uh, that game was canceled or suspended, uh, postponed. And so uh, what we're... What we're going to do for the rest of the podcast here is, um, since we're, we, we are literally in a break right now of NBA action, um, we had a really unique time of the season where uh, three of our core players were injured, and we had to have guys step up, uh, fill roles that they might not have been comfortable filling. We had playing time going to a lot of guys that wouldn't normally get playing time. And so what we want to do is we want to go through um, the players and or topics that uh, that stuck out to us. And what, what basically what did we learn from this last stretch of games and uh, what are the implications of that going forward? Um, so let's let's start. Where should we start, guys? What do you want to start with? We get a few different options. Uh, first thing on our Google Docs is Josh Jackson. Let's start we there. Start with Josh Jackson. Yes, let's do it. Possibly the MVP of this stretch. Possibly so. Um, coming off the bench, playing more minutes, obviously playing minutes at all, um, which is you know didn't really happen pre uh, trade. That's for sure. Um, coming off the bench, playing a big role. I want to say he's averaging around nineteen to twenty minutes a game since he's kind of started playing, uh, shooting around 32-ish percent from three. Um, I know he's played 18 games total with us so far this year, um, so pretty small sample size. Uh, but you can kind of look at his past uh, seasons in Phoenix if you want to. I'm actually just not going to look at those because that situation was bad. System was potentially bad. I'm just kind of throwing those out as a wash. Um, so since he's joined the Grizz, uh, able to stretch the floor, High energy, really good on the fast break, uh, not just at finishing, but making plays for others. Um, if you watch the uh, the Brooklyn game, the first half, he threw about six lobs to John Conchar. Uh, <laughs> didn't connect any of them, but I love the attempt. That was so bizarre. Um, but he had a really Got good that hustle lob. connection, you know. Yeah, that's true. He had a really good lob to Ja in the Atlanta game that we played at home, the game we were at this past Saturday. Fast break lob, it looked great. Um, making plays super active. Um, had some big steals late game that we lost that game. Uh, who was that against? I forgot. It was on the road, and he kind of kept us in it. Oh, Sacramento. Sacramento, yeah. It was at home, actually, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, kept us in We had several possessions because of him. Um, his, his play the rest of the year, I want to say he's kind of already shown what he can do, right? Um, he obviously is only 22, just turned 23, actually, so still super young. Um, more room to grow. Uh, if you think if he keeps putting up shots, he's shooting a decent volume, I think four attempts a game, which is not terrible. You know, Ideally, you'd want to be maybe a little bit higher, but only playing 19 minutes a game. Four is not too bad. It's pretty good volume. Um, if you look at his game, I think we kind of know what we know. Yeah, there's a chance he could improve. Um, but this summer, his situation becomes really interesting. Um, so I'll kind of run through some contract type stuff. So this past summer, um, his rookie deal was up. So we were able to extend him, sign him to an extension if we wanted to. Uh, we decided not to do that. 
we declined that extension. Um, that ex- so we were paying him about $9 million this season in his last year of his contract. And just for a second, why do you think that the team didn't extend him? I think because he hasn't proven himself yet. Right. He, he had a bad history in Phoenix, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, and it, it might have been reputation um, about off-court stuff because if you follow the Grizz, and honestly this is kind of pre-Grizz, but he had had a few kind of questionable things that happened off the court. Uh, not really going to go into those because I don't want to rehash it, but it just wasn't, it wasn't a good look for him personally. Um, so I think that aspect of it played a factor. Well, I also think that $9 million isn't, isn't nothing like you. Oh, yeah. They also declined it at a time before we knew what our, our next season would look like. And so, yeah, there, it was such a low risk to decline it. Like, and was he sort of a salary throw in, in that trade? Like, did he make the deal work he, with Phoenix? He was – well, I think – so it's kind of everybody – got Melton in that trade. Everybody has flipped the right. – if we remember back when we actually did the trade, Josh Jackson was the asset. That it was kind of like, all right, well, it's it's a win-win. You're getting this asset, but – and and he hasn't been great for us. Uh, and we don't want his salary on the books anymore. Oh, we'll throw in DeAnthony Melton, sure. And the and Grizzlies' so, perspective okay. was like, actually, in our minds, the exactly. asset is DeAnthony Melton. Exactly. That's who we want. So, sure, we'll take back Josh Jackson in this. Not necessarily salary filler, because we traded Kyle Korver, who is making a little less than $5 million, and Javon Carter, who was on that little rookie um, second round. So, similar to DeAnthony's now, second round draft pick, kind of lower end salary. Um, so, we actually kind of took back more salary than we gave out. Um, but we had that ability because our so we had all the space. Uh, we also took, as we mentioned before, two second round picks. So basically, receiving him, Phoenix was like, we just don't want him on our roster because we want to use that money elsewhere. Because they had looked into extending Kelly Oubre this summer, which they end up doing. They brought on Ricky Rubio, so they needed money to do that. They brought on Aaron Baines, so they needed money to do that. So they kind of needed to open up space for flexibility. So we jumped on that and said, sure, we'll take that. Give us DeAnthony Melton. Phoenix, not understanding the value of DeAnthony Melton, we're like, who's that? I don't even, is he on our team? Gave him to us, uh, which was awesome. Um, and one thing I think, another reason we didn't extend him is, yes, his play, he wasn't proven as a player. Yeah. He had potential, sure. Not necessarily proven as a teammate, which is fair. Also, if you look at our previous summer, and kind of moving forward, I feel like our front office is really high on flexibility. If we were to extend him, that would limit our flexibility moving forward. Yeah, and like for instance, in the trades that just happened, you have correct. Never, you never know what really could happen. And future trades. Yeah, yeah, like this summer. Let's say, like we've mentioned, the Buddy Healed. There's some weird stuff going on in Sacramento. There, he may not be happy. We don't know. I mean, that's all speculation. Uh, we don't even. We don't know. But if something like that becomes available, we would want the flexibility to go sign someone, or maybe a free agent this summer kind of lingers around the market and a team doesn't snatch him up and it's a guy we really want like Tyus Jones for instance like we did this past summer he was kind of floating out there we really wanted him we had the flexibility to go get him um, so I think we kind of wanted to use some flexibility there so that's another reason we didn't extend him and I think it's just like the reason why I was asking those questions you guys know the detail um, a whole lot better uh, than I do because you know when you look at it at the current performance just right now you're like well why that's stupid the dude's balling he's definitely a guy i want on my team moving forward why why would we not have extended him and at the time we had no idea if he would have even like behaved a 
would he have shown that he wanted to play for the and in the type of culture that we were trying to build? We had a very specific uh, sort of progression that we wanted him to go through in the G League and then move into with the Grizzlies. That's something that we've talked about historically. Um, that really, when he was signed, he was briefed on from the beginning. If you follow this track, then you'll be in good shape. Which, by the way, how all we know for all we know that the track even began with we're not going to re-sign you for now. But if you prove this to us, it will be worth it to us. For instance, on top of all the flexibility stuff that you're talking about, I think it's just super important because if you just look at it right now, you're like, well, what the? Cr- I want him. He's great. He the fact that you could even say that somebody like this, a, a historical fourth round player, maybe could even be like he was your most valuable offensive player and even defensive player at times in games. Yep. Why why don't we have him? I think a uh, quick fact check by the way, the Corver contract was for seven and a half million, so it was a little bit more even. Um, but I think the biggest thing in my mind was they the front office uh, is they have a type. And we've seen they have a type now uh, with this brand new signing that we'll talk about in just a second. But what is the one thing that we didn't know Josh Jackson could do? Shoot. He was, and we have another three guard in Kyle Anderson who also can't shoot. And so if you, if you keep, if you keep adding guys on your depth chart in that slot that can't shoot, that's a big question mark. And so For that's sure. another reason why I don't think that they picked up his option. But then he's come out and he's actually shown he can be decent. And so that's, that's helpful and also, I one of my favorite parts about his game is his defense. I mean, Very it's just active. it's so yep. fun to watch him. Uh, just especially in that Sacramento game, I really thought single handedly he was going to bring us back. Yeah. Um, his his he has an eye for the ball. He can make create steals out of nothing uh, without fouling. Which we all we always talk about Dylan Brooks and his defensive prowess, but Dylan seems he's like the highest foul rate in the league. Right now, uh, right below Jaron, uh, and so you, he can do it without fouling. He also one of the things I love about him is his confidence. Like he doesn't, he's not scared of anybody. He's not scared of any matchup. Uh, it's also interesting that we are at a point with the injuries that we were relying on him as a big part of the offense. How quickly things like this can flip. So, uh, case in point, really happy for J- Josh Jackson. We we are limited in what we can offer. I think as you mentioned, Ty where we can only offer him a one-year $8.9 million deal because we declined a fourth-year option. It's this weird salary cap rule. And so we basically have to hope that no other team wants him, and uh, he's going to have a decision to make because I would expect them to actually offer them that one-year 8.9, but he might want a a deal elsewhere. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I think – so as Grizz fans, it's – I've been drinking the Josh Jackson Kool-Aid. Um, I know y'all two have too. I think a lot of fans out there are, I think because of maybe the expectations of him, were like, we didn't even know if he was going to play at all this season. There were rumors that he was just never going to be a Grizzly. Um, so I think the fact that he's, you know, have been recalled um, from the hustle and have played like meaningful minutes and done a good job, um, in all of our minds, that should just automatically click into like, oh yeah, of course we're going to try to re-sign him. I don't even. I really don't know if the front office is thinking that way. They may be, but they may not just automatically move into that as soon as free agency hits. That's our first priority is signing Josh Jackson to that one year eight eight point nine million. That could not be the case. Um, Will something you mentioned about shooting, right? If we could find that 
you know, six, seven to six, nine wing who can shoot a little bit better. Who's to say that our front office isn't going to value that. I don't know. Like he, they definitely could, but they may not. Um, his shooting is definitely, it's not great and it could get better. Like I said, he's shooting around 31, 32%, um, from three this year for us. And that could easily, cause he started out really poorly from three. He's 38% in his past five games. Yeah. So that's, very, very good. That's that's that's, what, that's, that's great. That's what what I was gonna say. He started off really. I'm not trying to cut you off. He started no, really right. slowly, but his Atlanta, Brooklyn, Dallas, Atlanta, Orlando stretch. Um, he's been he, he and he was 38% in those games, and that's with a one for seven outing against Atlanta Saturday night uh, for the aforementioned Joggles T-shirt night. So he had a terrible shooting night that night, and is still shooting 38%. In those in that five game stretch, yeah, and I think something you got to remember too is he's also finding ways to impact games, even if the shot's not falling. And there are a lot of players in this league. You think of the three and D type player. If their shot's not falling, it's tough for them to make a real impact on the game. Even someone like I think Danny Green is like one of the top three and D guys in the league, right? He's a little bit older. I think he's in his low to mid thirties, so he's probably not at the peak of his powers anymore. But if he's not hitting shots, like he doesn't do a ton. He doesn't get to the rim. He can't create off the dribble. He's a pretty good on ball on ball defender, but he's not gonna like start or break. He's kind of limited in his impact. And front office moving forward. I'm just trying to put a little bit of hesitancy because if it was me, I would I would try to sign him for the one year eight point nine. I would do it for sure. Uh, but this front office, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. And again, we're assuming that everything just kind of continues as is this offseason. Who knows if we're going to try to make a trade for someone? I have no idea. Um, who knows what free agent we may have in our sights. If you would have asked me last year about DeLon Wright, I would have been the first one to tell you that we would re-sign DeLon Wright, right? After he came to Memphis through the trade, he was playing great. He had a triple-double at one point for us. Like, you could play him next to Mike. You were like, man, this guy could be a legit player. We didn't give him a thought one, t- one second this summer because we had Tyus in our sights. We traded DeLon for two second-round picks somehow. I don't know why Dallas did that, but they did. <laughs> um, and we got Tyus. So, like, you don't really know. And I think that's worked out great, again. Um, but Josh, to me, has proven that he can be a valuable member of this team moving forward. Yeah, that's that, – I mean, we uh, – we were hoping to do a deep dive on Josh Jackson in this podcast, and I think we just did. So I think that's going to be something we got really good. On John. I'm just that's kidding. right. We could honestly, we could go into his different splits, his different stats. It's he's he's been a really fun player to watch. Um, what I uh, had alluded to earlier was a signing that the Grizzlies made recently that was, I guarantee, not on anybody's radar. Gosh, uh, Jonte Porter. Um, he is six eleven, two twenty. He's twenty years old. He went to Missouri. Um, I was at a game. I have a very clear memory of Jonte Porter. I should note he's he's the brother of Michael Porter Jr. who plays for the Nuggets. Yeah. Um, I have a very clear memory of him just act, absolutely murdering Ole Miss in a game that I was at live. Um, and I thought this guy, um, this guy could be a player. He's had he's torn his ACL twice, uh, which is the main reason why he wasn't signed. He was in a lot of pers- people's draft boards. Uh, went undrafted, um, and the Grizzlies have signed him for the rest of the season, and there's also a team option for $1.5 million next season if they want him. Um, or they can decline it, and then they can re-sign him. Um, but, Ty, you did a little bit of research on Jonte. Can you give us give us some fun facts 
for him. Yeah, let me pull it up on phone because my computer just died. Um, but here we go. So, Jonte, like Will mentioned, 6'11", 210. Uh, going into some draft stuff, so this is last summer. So, he entered 2019 draft. Um, so, this was this past draft. Uh, before his college sophomore season started, which, again, was last year's college season, a lot of teams or a lot of draft experts, you would call them, had, had him in his definitely a first-rounder, um, some even lottery. Um, so a pretty high high draft pick potential out of him. Um, towards ACL and MCL, um, right before his sophomore season started, he actually tried to come back and play in March um, before he was medically cleared and toured again. Um, so that really hurt. He tried to come back early. Um, maybe that shows you a little bit of his character. Um, who knows? Maybe I'm reading into it too much. Probably so. Um, but yeah. Uh, he averaged 10 and 5 his freshman year at Mizzou as the sixth man. Um, interesting thing. So he's 6'11. He was listed at 240 then. He slimmed down a little bit, as Brantley can tell you. Dude, saw he him on does the bench. not look. Oh, yeah. We were at the Orlando game yeah. and saw him at half court, and he looked like a completely different person. He, if you've watched his highlights. First off, looked real fresh. Second, drip, drip. Yeah. Had major drip. He had like Zebo legs. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's like a big body guy, but like really, really thin. I mean, the I the that. dude could rock some skinny jeans better than Ty over here could. That's, you know? I mean, that's just the truth. yeah, that's kind of bold. Yeah, I don't, yeah, Ty I know. looks really good in skinny jeans. I don't know. <laughs> short um, torso. So a fun thing about him is <laughs> short torso. That's true. That's true. I like to tuck in my shirt, and I don't have a waist. Um, Anyway, back to important things on Jonte Porter. Uh, so, yeah, average 10 and 5, sophomore or freshman year. Uh, shot 36% from three on three attempts a game as a 6'11, 240 freshman. He's got a smooth shot. He's left handed. Smooth lefty yeah. stroke. He doesn't jump pure, very high, doesn't have but to. it's smooth. Doesn't have to. It's a very um, smooth jumper. So, kind of, I was reading back through some draft board stuff. Uh, if you listen to us, you know we all love the ringer. Here at the Grizzden, and they do a huge yeah ringer.com. They do a huge draft uh, big board um, every year before the draft, and they had him listed in late second round uh, due to the injuries. Again, everyone's really high on him, but the injuries held him back, and he actually went undrafted. Obviously, that's when we were able to sign him. Um, so the ringer kind of called him a perfect modern NBA big in the fact that he can shoot the ball from three, a really good decision maker in the half court. Um, I read a stat. I'm going to botch it because I don't know it verbatim, but it was something like he's one of a few freshman big men who have actually averaged more assists than turnovers his freshman year in college, which is really impressive. Um, and a kind of NBA, current NBA player comp they used is they said a thrift store Nikola Jokic. I like to think of it as more of like a skinny Nikola Jokic. The reason we say Nikola Jokic is Jonte Porter's weakness is probably lateral quickness. Uh, which limits him switchability on defense. That's what makes Jaron so special, is he can protect the rim and switch on the perimeter. Jonte's not going to be a guy that can, like, switch on to Trey Young and cause him trouble. He's going to get burned. Um, not a tremendous rim protector. He did average over a block a game his freshman year at Mizzou, um, so he's capable. He has a seven-foot wingspan, so he's long. Um, but the fact that when you get Jokic in the half court, he's a phenomenal decision maker, one of the best big big passing – or passing big men in the league maybe ever um, not saying Jonte is going to get there but that similar type game kind of a little bit slower moving great shot great decision maker in the half court can pick and pop in the pick and roll 
really smart, high IQ player um, who theoretically could fit really well. Again, this is assuming a lot. Health, the major reason. But if he stays healthy, could potentially fit really well with what we have going forward in our two other young bigs in BC and Jaren. So uh, that was where I was wanting to ask maybe the question, Will, to you, is what do you think this – so the fact that they're the Grizzlies are using their 15th roster spot – on a guy like this who's not going to, who was never going to impact this season on a center with potential upside, what does that say about the other centers that are on our team and their future with the Grizzlies? Well, I don't know if I necessarily if see anything. him like as a guy. What I see him as is a guy who can uh, be a threat from outside and is uh, just an athletic long not athletic in the traditional sense but he is another threat that's what i think they see in him is just a very low cost threat who you can trust to come if he's your 14th or 15th guy off the bench and actually be able to burn you instead of a guy who's just sitting there keeping the seat warm but would you call him your sixth guy who potentially plays center it's interesting i mean you on could on the roster next season I mean, I'd have to pull it up. Gorgie, right? I mean, he doesn't really. He well, can't, he that's can, Gorgie. I see is an, a pure expiring. Like he's been a lot of fun, but next that's year, what I'm saying, but next season, we're going to be searching for deals. He could potentially be a trade chip. So that's what. Yeah. I, that's my point. Yeah. Is 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 he is this is Jonte sort of a hedge against what you might be able to find for Gorgie in the market as a another like big man stretch the floor sure. type person. If you get rid of Gorgie and you have something to, to start the season with, is it's sort of my my oh, leading the witness question because yep. we talked about as much as we loved riding the elevator with Gorgie. Uh, shout out! We'll get you a joggle shirt soon. But uh, how he's you know potentially you could go shopping with him and someone For like sure. Dylan or somebody else to upgrade a position. And you know, it feels like it just feels like to me that. You start if you pick up Jonte's team option. You have a lot of big, quote unquote, big men on the roster, regardless of if they're considered modern or not. Right. Well, let's let's look at it. You got Jonas. You got Jaron. You got Gorgie, Brandon Clark, and then you'd add Jonte. So it's not a ton. And that's your four and five potentially. Yeah, Brandon um, can can rotate. But you also have like Colin, even though he's a forward. He's listed as a small forward. forward. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Wrong. That's just wrong. Who? Gorgie? Brandon Clark. BC. Yeah, that's wrong. Yeah. He's a four for sure. Um, I think one thing on Jonte too is he's actually younger than Jaron and Ja. So he turned twenty in November. Um, John Jaron turned twenty, I think, in September. Is that right? Um, so a month younger than them. Um, so I think we're truly like taking a flyer on a young guy who might kind of turn into something. And there's absolutely no, even like next year, I think when you look at what the Grizz have put out on social media and stuff like that, they're kind of saying like, Hey, he could be a contributor to the team next season, but he doesn't necessarily have to be right. Like you were saying, like we have players in that position that can fill that role for next season. I think it's like, Hey, if he comes into camp next year, looks really good. Uh, we might say like, hey, you know, let's keep him around, and he might be a contributor next season. I don't know, but he doesn't have to be. He's still super young, uh, potentially super raw. Even though one of his biggest characteristics is how skilled he is, 
Um, but yeah, I think you could kind of slow play in t- play him into a role on the future team. And they also, I mean, Jordan Bell was cut right before this announcement Very too. So they had Great to point. know something and feel better about Jonte to just get rid of Jordan Bell. Yeah, and bring in Tolliver, who is the opposite of Jordan Bell. Yeah. Right, can't jump and just launches. And Jordan Bell can jump and doesn't launch. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think the the case in point here is the front offices, again, confirmed their dig- attention to detail yes. is great. Yeah. And it's fun. Uh, okay, so I've got four more players listed here. Two of them quickly, we can just confirm how awesome they are um, and, and were during this break. And the other two, I think, will probably be more of a, a debate uh, and some some speculation about their future and how they fit. But the first two I want to quickly shout out, and y'all can add anything you want. Tyus Stones, we talked about him a lot on the last podcast, but he's it's 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 interesting that in our, our last game that we played against Orlando, uh, he took the two biggest shots of the game. Uh, one of them he got fouled on and made three free throws, which is hard to do. And then the other one, he had a really good look for three to tie it up and didn't hit it, but I thought it was pretty telling that he was the one taking huge threes and that we were okay with it. Um, he's been an essential part of this run. Uh, I guess we went, what do we say, since the All-Star break, we won four games. We were four, four and seven. Four and seven, and a brutal right. schedule. But he was a yeah. really big reason uh, we were able to come away with those four wins. And so, uh, anything else on Stones? I mean, it's just nuts to me that you replace Mike Conley and the point guard position in a playoff run season is your sh- potentially your strongest position the entire season because of John and Tyus. That's cr- you're you're exactly right. That's pretty crazy. Couldn't have predicted that honestly. No way. Um, Broken shoot, and he's cold. Yeah, and then Love Stones. JV was the other. Uh, I think we saw. Uh, that JV is truly, without Jaron, the second option. Yeah. Uh, and he was averaging the most points per game in this stretch, too. Um, definitely the most rebounds. <laughs> Historical Gosh. averages in, on the glass. I, I felt like it was weird when he didn't have 10 and 8 at the end of the first quarter. Um, and defensively, too. Just playing real well and brought the energy every night. Uh, he was... He's a guy that we had questions about a couple months ago about his fit with the team, especially after you yeah, make the transactions that you'd made at the trade deadline, trading away Crowder and Solo uh, to your shooters, and then how is how is the four going to be spaced? But he's proven that that doesn't matter. You yeah, I still think JB. there's some teams that I don't know if we've necessarily figured it out from a rotation perspective that he just doesn't necessarily work as great in. But yeah. for the most part, the games that we're playing lately where it's clearly a weaker defensive team – with not as strong, maybe veteran-type um, centers, he can expose them, control the glass, and it helps us control our pace when, you know, our defense is, you know, getting stops um, and we can get, you know, out fast into the break. Is there someone on this roster that you have to worry about less than Valanciunas? Besides maybe Brandon Clark. What do you mean worry about less? Like, you're not worried about his production. Night tonight. Like, I think I'm Stones not, to me is the number one guy. Like, really? When he's on the floor, I am, I feel like I'm in great hands. Yeah. Yeah. I still think Production he can get cold because like points he, and rebounds. Yeah. You have a point there for sure. Yeah. But I think the things with, with Jonas is it's kind of what Brantley was hinting at is he can be very matchup oriented whether he's going to be kind of on his game or not. I feel like he can 
some games, some matchups, he can dominate. Like when we were playing Atlanta, they had John Collins guarding him. It just John Collins can't guard him down low. Um, but when we play different teams who put him in the pick and roll and like make him switch, it is tough. Because again, we've talked about Jenkins' system and how he likes to put the big in the paint and protect the rim because he wants to protect the rim and not foul. He's not afraid to kind of give up the three. But when you kind of get these switches onto these guys who are just deadly from outside, it really hurts because he's not able to kind of switch and keep a guy in front. But that's like common with big guys in the league. Yeah, I don't worry about JV. I sort of would say from a ratio perspective, like 75% of the time, I feel pretty good about what he's going to give me. I do think that in that stretch when Ja wasn't as um, aggressive um, from the three-point line and teams were really packing the paint – the JV was struggling to find a rhythm, and I, I don't. This sounds really silly, but just do basic things like catch the ball and and yeah. and stride. He's getting stripped a lot, and and yeah, and he was keeping the like keeping the ball low, doing some silly things like that. And I think maybe that just was some of because of how teams were playing us, and it was a little bit of an adjustment, you know. And he's taking advantage of some weaker teams lately, and so I, I you know, if coronavirus hadn't been happening I was going to be curious to see like what does he do against some of these better teams can he keep up that type of production on the points perspective not rebounds so that's just but yeah I mean he's been so I mean that's what we talked about last week too he's just he doesn't foul he's never in foul trouble and for a center to be like that um to me for the most part is is pretty exceptional I think it's also funny I was just thinking about this a second ago I We've watched one center on this team for years, and it's Marcus Gasol. And I think that he's he's similar in some respects, but in other respects, he is he's a guy that I feel like we always there's a part of his game that we wanted Mark to have, which was the I'm going to catch the, the bruiser ball, perspective. Score. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he cannot pass like Mark at all, no. so that he didn't he doesn't have that part of his game of of Mark's game. But and I don't miss that. Right. Right. Because we've got Ja. Yeah, exactly. You have a guy. And Jaron, who can stretch it yeah. out too. Yeah. So it's kind of by committee uh, replacing what Mark had. But it's funny because you see, I mean, they're just like, they're honestly like tall, white, foreign guys. Great beards. <laughs> Great beards and just are sort of similar. It's like they could be brothers yeah. in yeah. a way, but he's the aggressive brother. And yeah, we're yeah. seeing like a different type of center who looks really similar. Which is funny to say, but it it's true. I mean, but no, it's it fun. is. It's 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 cool. To, I I just enjoy the aggressiveness, and I enjoy oh, that he wants to get his. Every I game. never I've never gotten fr- the only thing I've gotten frustrated with JV on is like catching the ball sometimes. Yeah. Like Mark, I used to get just like, dude, would you just be strong? Yes, I know. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's get to the two guys that I think we might have a little bit more to debate on. Uh, the first is DeAnthony Melton. So Melton was in a really interesting position this last stretch because. Jenkins slid him into the starting lineup next to Ja. So he was actually playing Ja Morant, Melton, and Dylan Brooks. And one of the reasons he was able to do that was because Brooks is like 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, if you're down, one of the things he I noticed down when we were down on Saturday night was how tall Dylan Brooks is. It's insane. Broad-shouldered so dude, too. So you are able to slide Melton in, and I want to get your takes on, on what you thought about Melton in that role. So I think the when Melton started to get PT, our bench, we had talked about previously how we had a top 10 bench for a really long time, starting in December, early December when Melton started playing more. Um, and a lot of Grizz fans just fell in love with Melton. 
I think one of the reasons is because he kind of reminded us a little bit of Tony. Um, kind of all over the place, really good on-ball defender. He would get a steal and then brick like a wide-open layup or something like that or take some, like, weird pull-up jumper on the break, and you're just like, what, what's that all about? But, he, like, his nickname is Mr. Do-Something. He was very active all over the place. And he was playing around, let's call it 18 minutes a game off the bench, sometimes less, sometimes more situationally. Um, sometimes he would close games uh, with a lineup, kind of playing um, – Again, situation stuff with matchups. Uh, had a very had the best plus minus on the team for a long time, um, but I think this little stretch of him starting playing bigger minutes and more importantly playing a bigger role um, has kind of shown his limitations as a player right now. Um, what he develops into, can't say. Uh, he's still really young. He's only twenty one, um, but I think his outside shot we've seen is not uh, crazy reliable. Some games he'll hit a few. Some games he definitely won't. It's tough to depend on him to hit that three on the wing. Um, I think that kind of hurts him. Is And we're kind of viewing this now as like a starter role. Um, so I'll kind of re- regress a little bit because I kind of got carried away. My main point is I think we now see right now he's not a starter level player um, for us right now. I think he is a very, very solid backup, two guard, three guard, situationally playing guard, um, but not necessarily a go-to starter on a team that you expect to make the playoffs um, and have a winning team. Um, I think he does a lot of little things really well, and I, th- I really like him. I think he's great. Um, but I think we've kind of seen some limitations in his game, um, and I think that's beneficial of kind of this these injuries. We kind of talked about what injuries may bring. They've kind of shined a light on some stuff. And I think that's one of the things that I've, I've noticed. Yeah. We'll say, I, I don't, uh, I'm just going to argue the other side just for fun. Uh, I, Funsies. yeah. So he's shooting 39% from three in the games that he started. That's the beginning in Houston, uh, beginning in Houston. I'm just going to read off his plus minuses really quickly. Minus 26. Everyone in that game was minus, Plus six, plus 14, plus 17, plus 13, minus 28 against Dallas, where we also got crushed, plus 15, and even. So, despite the fact that, at least from an eye test perspective, he sort of looks like there's a little bit of a limitation, he's an exceptional role player. He's a modern-day role player. He, sure. The fact that he can shoot 39%, and it still feels like he's not shooting that great from three, uh, is incredible. Um, as a Grizzlies fan to me, the fact that he's shooting that way um, as a starter, uh, if you could get Kyle Anderson to shooting 30%, I would feel inc- unbelievably incredible. And I think a lot of us think that Kyle Anderson is a great role player um, uh, at times. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I don't really like him. But, um, <laughs> that you know, just this kind of the argument is he's just a solid role player. Well, DeAnthony uh, typically is guarding some of the best um, offensive players on the floor uh, same with Dylan and um, D'Anthony is very efficient and you're never going to, in my mind, uh, there's very few times that I can think of where I look at him and think that he's doing something negative on the court. Um, there, I just, for whatever reason, remember that one Phoenix game where he had like two turnovers um, towards the end of the game. And I was like, like you might be like sort of throwing this out the window for us. So statistically and just um, again, and, and the games that he started, you know, weren't great, but he was plus 14 against the Lakers, you know, went one for three. Um, I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, worth noting. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 true. I mean, all those things are true. We didn't have a lot of guys who weren't plus in the Lakers game because we did win by a pretty, a pretty good amount. I think that he just it, it confirmed to me at least that he is not he's not necessarily anything more than a stopgap solution uh, at your starting two. I but mean, he could be a solid stopgap. Sure, yeah. he can for a few games. I think that if we had had a few more against better opponents. Uh, that and we continued to have the same injuries that we were we were predicted to have for another week or so. I think we would have seen those numbers regress a little bit. That's just my prediction. There's no way to prove it. Yeah. But I also think that there were times in which I was saying or thinking to myself, uh, I would be interested to see more the a lineup of Ja Dylan and Josh Jackson starting rather than Melton. And you could then make the argument that that would have made your bench unit a little bit weaker because Josh Jackson was a great uh, spark plug off the bench, offensively especially. Because Melton, he's not going to be your number one scorer. He's just going to do a little bit of everything. And so, um, if if nothing else, I think an interesting uh, result, potentially, from this is that you could see his value um, start to uh, shift a bit from what he is going to uh, demand on the open market. And I think what, I don't know if you guys have thought about this yet, I'm throwing throwing this question out sort of of the blue, but what is the range in which you would be comfortable paying a guy like D'Anthony Melton next year to bring him back? Um, So we sort of, I mean, I just been playing around with numbers in my spreadsheet uh, that all of you guys have access to as listeners. Um, if you want, uh, it's on our link tree and our Instagram handle. Uh, I was sort of overestimating a four-year, twenty-five million dollar deal, just because it's like kind of right below um, that mid-level number. It's and that and Ty beforehand was like that seems more than what we would have to offer him. Um, that would make him like the twelfth highest player on our current roster. So about six a year, you're saying six point two five a year. Yeah, that's. I mean, I could see. I I could see anything from four and a half to six feeling good for me. Yeah. Um. It's it's kind of it's one of those guys that you don't. I feel like when you go into free agency, um, and start looking around, you tend to gravitate towards guys who have one specific thing that they do very well that you feel that your team is lacking. So, for instance, I feel like I would be the most excited to get a knockdown shooter, like in free agency, um, or to trade for one, just because that is the one thing. We have some good shooters. We don't have one amazing shooter on our team. And Melton is a guy that I feel like you could argue yourself out of pretty easily. Um, but, and it sounds like I'm kind of being negative on Melton. I'm really, I'm really just reacting to him being in our starting lineup and me not really loving it. Um, and again, the numbers you could argue say differently, but, uh, I don't know. He's an interesting player and he's been, he's been a great guy to have on our team. Like he really has. Yeah. So So, uh, let's just for fun really quickly. Do you think that the Grizzlies resign D'Anthony Melton this off season? I think they do, but not because. Uh, Did they keep the asset? 
I think it could the only thing that could prevent this to me is if since it's such a weak free agent class you could see some front offices look at their options who's expiring and he could be a guy that's that he has definitely overperformed expectations and I could see a front office if they're smart being like we could probably outbid the Grizzlies right now by half a million dollars and get this guy uh, locked down. And so I think it'll depend on, um, I mean, this isn't a restricted free agency, so we don't have his rights. Um, I could, I could, I could see, I could definitely see them bringing him back. I would, I I would put it at like a 75% chance of them bringing him back. Yeah. I think there's a good chance, uh, we talked about it earlier. The reason we we obviously like really wanted him. We kind of had our sights set on um, receiving him in that trade. So I think the front office kind of values him. I think he has proven that he can play a very important role for a team moving forward. It may not be a starting role, but he plays a very important role. Um, does a really good job at a lot of different things. I think he's a really good bench player. I think one thing to keep in mind with our front office and all other front offices is long-term deals. So every front office pretty much in the league is kind of gearing up for 2021. The summer of 2021, there are a ton of free agents that summer. A lot of teams are going to want to keep flexibility that summer um, so they can have the potential to go out and sign a guy. My one thing about extending him for that four-year deal, like you mentioned, is that that will be during that summer. To combat that, though, Six million a year is not some grand salary that we would have to dance around to sign somebody. That's not a lot of money at all. Um, so I could see the four-year 25. I could see something like that happening for sure. Um, another thing to keep in mind this summer is there are not a lot of teams with cap space. Um, I think most teams, some I'd say most teams have their mid-level exception, which uh, for you that don't know, is usually most teams, if you're a cap team, so if you spend enough money or in the cap, you get a mid-level exception. We have used it the past two years. Tyus Jones was a mid-level signee uh, this past summer, and then the year before that, Kyle Anderson was the mid-level signee that we did. So if you think of DeAnthony Melton in that light, Kyle Anderson, Tyus Jones, that type of productivity um, for the team, um, and if you think he will get that, then there may be some teams going out there and offering him that, but I do not think so. The reason is because, yes, he does a lot of little things, but he's not flashy with it. I don't – again, my computer's dead, Sally. But I would look up his, like, season averages of, like, points, assists, rebounds, stuff like that. I know I'm a big per 36 guy, and this was, like, maybe early January. I looked up his per 36 numbers, and they were, like – 15, 9, and 6 or something like that. They were really good. Um, and that was my thought. I was like, man, if he gets more PT, you know, he might develop into that. And now it's kind of shown that maybe he isn't. Maybe he's not that 16 and 7 kind of guy. His per okay. 36 right now are 15 points, 5.6 assists, and what's the other one you wanted? Rebounds? Yeah. 7 rebounds, 6.9 rebounds. Yeah, so that's 15, 7, and 5-ish, Yeah, something like that. Um, so the points have stayed there. So I think if that was a per game stat line, then yeah, absolutely teams would be looking in to get that. But I think a per 36, um, I'm not sure teams are going to want to go out of their way and sign him to that mid-level. So I think he definitely will be available for us to bring back if we want him. And all signs are pointing towards the free agent, the front office wanting to keep him. 
Um, so I, I expect him to come back. So just sure. one thing on the 2021 um, year for the Grizzlies, um, we're basically currently on the books that year. We only have 83 million of yeah. salary committed um, and guaranteed. Um, so the just for everyone at home, the projected cap that year currently, uh, the the floor of that is 125 million. Um, with the tax level ceiling being around 151. So um, if you put in like kind of like that 6.25 number that I was just talking to you about, that's still only 89 million guaranteed on the books that year. Um, so that means you don't have Josh Jackson that year. You don't have Marco Goodrich. You don't have Deion Waiter's salary. You don't have Gorgie's salary. It's the last year of JV's salary, last year of Justice Winslow's. So you're you're you have a lot of flexibility even still with kind of like that 25 million ish number to pay a first round draft pick which most likely we will have, we will have that them, year we'll have two um and you know i'm kind of assuming in this range you you have one that's kind of maybe mid-ish level first round and one towards the end because yep. it's the jazz's pick right yep and then you still have a lot of room for a max player at if least we one. wanted to yeah yeah all right We'll end. We'll end with this guy. Uh, we'll we'll try and only spend five or six minutes. And we're not going to be you guys slow. out of here. We we're not going to be slow. <laughs> All right. So the economy isn't doing great right now. Uh, a lot of people are arguing about whether you should be buying or selling. Uh, Kyle Anderson. If you had to buy or sell Kyle Anderson stock um, right now, what would you do? He's getting paid about nine million dollars this year. Next, and I think one more year. Uh, let me confirm. Uh, the second year of his four year deal. Correct. So it's so two it's, more after this it's one. two more after this one at about nine point five and then nine point nine. Yep. Are you buying or selling Kyle Anderson stock? Uh if someone is willing to buy his stock from me, I will sell. I just don't think that anyone will want his stock. Um so He's a great teammate chemistry guy, so I'm not like dreading the fact that he's on our books. But I'm not I'm not a desperate seller. I'll say it that way. I agree. He's such an interesting player. His fit is just really interesting. Um it just ah oh, man. Non-existent. Yeah, we're non-existent, you could argue. I think he's great. I love his skill set sometimes. But I'm in not like a lie. basketball dorky way, not in like yeah, it yeah, like yeah. pays off for your team. For it's sure. like it's like how did he do that Euro step and it took him seven seconds? At least seven seconds. I don't know. Well, I okay, hold on. Last podcast, <laughs> you guys were just freaking out about how awesome the short roll with Kyle Anderson was. What okay, happened okay. between now? No, and no, 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 no. Don't, don't you put that on me. I was not me. freaking out about that. That was all Ty sure. Smith. You can put it on me for sure because we put him in a position to succeed. Um, we put him in the short roll and he was making plays. He hit that little floater. And I think that was great. So he had a good game and a good role. I said that it was incredible that Ja could make that successful. Okay. You're dead. You did. You're but right. Kyle yeah, did I had have nothing. to finish don't, the play. Don't you put that on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> Kyle had to finish the play and he finished it. But this what? is what kills me. Ja put it in his bread basket, like in the goal, basically. He's going to make a play like, there, man. He got at the free throw line. He got to make a oh, play. He on. did it. How did he do it? If there was nobody guarding him. That's true. Because he, it was like the Tony Allen treatment, and Ja found a way to give him the ball in a perfect assist way to score. 
And I'm not. That's all I'm about not Ja. Has nothing to do with Kyle. With that okay. At all. All right. Going back to what really hurts my soul is when Ja, any of our guards, break down the D, get in the lane, kick it out to the corner. No one within six feet of the corner guy. You look up and you see slow mo in the corner, and you just kind of sink a little bit. You're just like, can it be anyone else in the corner besides him? And the guy from the opposite block has enough time to run over oh, and yeah. close out and potentially block his three points. Trey attempt. Young blocked his shot in Atlanta. Here, here's the and problem. did the Matumbo Dikembe <laughs> finger wag in slow motion. Are you phase. serious? I didn't yes. catch that. That's amazing. Okay, here's the problem. Oh. Anderson is smart enough to get to those spots to yes, where he's wide absolutely. open, but he's not skilled his brain enough is to make the than shot. His feet. And that, to me, is a really tough, tough thing to have to deal with night to night. It's tough with our system and our offense. Jenkins has been let it fly all season. And Kyle Anderson, to his credit, has shot a little bit better in these last two or three games. But I'm not going to take some two or three game sample size and think everything's solved and he's a different player and a different shooter because that's just – it's not the case. If someone gives – let's just let's just play scenario game. I don't know who necessarily – if he could get thrown in, nine million is a good a good salary match kind of salary as a match yep. in some scenario because like legitimately like I know that like health is never a perfect thing, but if you do keep DeAnthony and Justice comes back healthy, and, and you, you resign Josh and you resign Josh, like all of a sudden this guy's sitting at the end of the bench with no role, and if like Magic Conch is getting playing yes, time as well. Baby. Like, Give you, me all yeah, that. like, I Give mean, me that. like, which we want. I mean, he's at least he's athletic and makes defensive plays and makes similar smart plays as well. So it sort of seems, I mean, it's not, he's not six nine, uh, like slow mo is. It just, if you could find someone who'd be willing to purchase it along something else, I think he's sort of like the lingering Chris Wallace piece. And, that is such a great point. I just would. He it really just needs, is one he, of the it's last. The ones last one and besides Dylan. Yeah. Which, obviously, this front office felt like they could get Dylan on a good salary, and yeah. they did. But Dylan is a very atypical. He just Chris Wallace lucked into that in the second round pick. Yeah. I mean, it's just. It's just an interesting. So, what do you think? I'm not a. Are you buying or selling? Okay, Answer your own question. I'm holding. No, 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 no. Door number no, three. I, mean, well, you, I mean, you can hold stock, right? You got to lean one. Holding for what? To me, I see Kyle Anderson as a uh, as a municipal bond. Oh, there it is. Oh, my gosh. I see him as a guy who Google is going to be later. incredibly low, <laughs> low yield. Um, it's where you put just like, it's just so low risk, but it's also not going to necessarily crash ever. Um, but, uh, he does fit into my like good veteran player on the team thing. And I think I'm like comfortable with that ish. I'm, but okay. I'm not opposed to having him on my team because there was a point in that. I will say this in the Orlando game there, as we were sort of squandering our lead at the very Mm -hmm. end, there was to me a certain sense of calm seeing somebody like Kyle come in. Because I know he's not going to necessarily make mistakes because in that game, turnovers were our biggest enemy. And I said, this is not a guy who's going to make a ton of turnovers. So he's reliable in that sense. And that's why I don't hate having him on my team. But when you're playing an offense like we're playing, 
he is a guy that is the obvious outlier and it's it's painful when you when he is getting the minutes that he's getting and so he's to me he's almost getting paid too much not to play him but he's slowly becoming unplayable Ooh, I see in what my you opinion. Did there. Yeah, yeah. So he slowly. is Yeah. That was unintentional. <laughs> uh but I think he's a guy that um to me I had a bluff city claw. It's been a while since we've done that segment. Uh, but I had a second pod. Yeah, I, I had a Bluff City claw waiting to happen uh, about him and how he shouldn't be in the rotation. This was like a month ago that I wanted to do this, and then all of a sudden it got to a point where I felt like it got it wasn't that much of a hot take anymore. Like he is, it's very apparent. Yeah, but also like he when like there was a stat when every time he started we were undefeated or something like that. Um, that Wait, was a stat what? at one point. <laughs> what? No when way. Jay Crowder. <laughs> like was we played oh, like okay, two okay. games because he didn't. He didn't start. That's right. You're right. Not recently. This For some was reason, like I beginning of the season when Jay Crowder was sitting and Kyle started, we were like six and zero oh, or something like that. And Dylan Brooks also had twenty That's points. Right. That's Very right. true. Other factors are playing into this, but I think the biggest thing is system. We signed him when we were doing the slowest pace in the league, half court offense, walk it up the floor, grind it out, and now we're playing a completely different style. And it's tough for him to fit. Uh, one quick, just give me a quick thing. If just you're watching a game and we have our normal lineups out there, normal situation, who would you rather have at the three, Kyle Anderson or Josh Jackson? Josh, Josh Jackson. Jackson. Okay, there you no, go. no doubt. Yeah. Not even a question. Um, okay, well, this is, despite the situation, this has been a really fun pod. Um, we uh, hope that you guys will subscribe, rate, and review. Five stars. Shout out it one really star. Helps. Shout out one star, as always. If you know, you know. Yeah. Uh, and we will be back with you next week. Uh, it's interesting because because we usually plan our podcasts around the game schedule, and now I guess it's a little bit flexible. So, guys, we can really do any night we, we want. We have so many topics like on the back burner that we could bring up, though. It's we do. Insane. We've I had a lot of ideas. We have. We've had a lot of ideas that were like, let's wait for the off season. Well, this is kind of a mini off season, so. Uh, let's hope that it's not. Let's hope that the Grizzlies are going to um, be playing again in 20, the 2019-2020 season. Uh, I think it's safe to say John Morant has locked up the Rookie of the Year. That was kind of an unintended positive consequence of this whole thing. We didn't uh, get to positive consequences. We didn't. We were going to go through the bright sides though. of yeah. the uh, the suspension the of the league. Bright sides. The Mr. Brightsides. The Mr. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Anyway, guys, this has been fun. We appreciate you joining us for Will, or excuse me, wow, for Brantley and Ty. I'm Will. Hey, what's up, Will? We'll see you next week. Let's go, Grizz. Party, people.